welcome to Purposeful Storytelling, a podcast by Rooftop, where we love to delve into the projects we work on and how we tell stories. Today, I have two really cool guests with me that actually sit just opposite from me in the office. Vessel and Julian, hello. Hi. Hello. It's really cool to have you guys with us. Tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. You can go first, Julian. Thanks, Vess. <laughs> um, I am... I've been hired as a creative director, but it's kind of spread out more than that. So between myself and Vess, we we ideate campaign work. So we get given a job to do and, and our job is to actually spread that message across different channels of communications. And like I said, between myself and Vessel, that's that's our job, the best way to find out the best way to do that. I think what we do irks a lot of people actually, because we mostly mm. sit around and don't do much. Um, it, it kind of happens upstairs, I think, and um, it comes across like we don't really do much. Well, we don't really do much either, though. So let's just say that on the table. I'd love to actually say that's not true because I think you guys come up with some really powerful and potent um, concepts and ideas for the projects we work on. And that actually leads me to what we're going to chat about today. We're talking about a project that was recently done for the World Health Organization for World No Tobacco Day this year, um, actually. Let's chat a little bit about this specific year's World No Tobacco Day. It has a very different approach, actually. Um, instead of us- like the usual focus of looking at the health impacts of the tobacco industry and of smoking, this year there was a very different angle. Tell me a bit about that. So I think maybe for the for the UN at large, it started last year um, at COP26, uh, where there was a big shift to a focus on climate change. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, a lot of the focus then for various campaigns and various touch points across all of their sort of different organizations sort of shifted focus to to climate change. Um, and obviously, you know, all of us know about the detrimental health, effect, health effects of um, tobacco on, on people, but not necessarily so much on, on the environment. And when you dig into the stats, it's it's quite astounding, really. Yeah, it's the, the, the cigarette butt is the most littered object in the world. Ooh, by, I, I can tell you how many of them. Okay. Really? Yeah, 4.5 4. trillion cigarette butts every mm. single year. Do you know what? how many per day? Yeah. Sorry. Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our little trivia for the day. <laughs> That's wild. But uh, what, what, I, what I enjoyed about this one is because I worked on two before this because um, we've got a good relationship with the WHO and especially the, the tobacco team mm. um, and it was quite cool not to try and convince people to not smoke because of their health because people get very uh, defensive when it comes to their health and their, I mean, and rightly so they like their autonomy of what they want to do and don't tell me what to do but when you tell them it's not just you that you're affecting it's a wider range of people and possibly children it's more impactful. So this one gave us a, a lot more scope. Well, uh, uh, sorry, Julian. And then the environment as well. You know, like a lot of people actually seem to care more about the environment mm. than they do about other people. So I think that, that does play quite a big part in, in getting people to use less tobacco. I just need to quickly take that in because it's some really crazy stuff there. Um, so with your client, the World Health Organization, specifically the team that focuses on tobacco, um, they decided then to go with an environmental approach or the impact on the environment mm. and how did this impact your approach to the to the um, project they they had they had a lot of reading for us to do firstly and there's a lot of reading out there with regards to you know, tobacco just even the farming of tobacco and the transport of tobacco so 
like for us to come up with an idea um, around the way it impacts the environment was actually quite easy because there's so much evidence for it. So it, for us, it wasn't so much persuading people about the negative impacts. It was actually being able to get it across in a in a in a couple of lines because a, you know, a lot of our workers. You know, people will be scrolling if it's a social media campaign. People will be scrolling, and if your your ad or if your post comes up on their feed, you know, we need to communicate that so efficiently that if they scroll past it, it still gets into their eyeballs. So it wasn't so much the fact that we needed to do a lot of research on it; it was how do we refine and present it and present it. Mm. Yeah. So what what we then did is we came up with two pretty strong campaign directions. Um, with a couple of visuals and like a campaign line and so on, which we took to client. Um, and I think I think Julian and I always try to, when we come up with ideas and do some work, we, we always try and find a little bit of fun in it for ourselves as well, because we, we just find that, you know, if we enjoy something or if we enjoy the process of making something or doing something, the end result is almost always a little bit better than it would have been if it's like, ah, you know, this is crappy, we don't really want to do it. Um, so both both directions we went with from an art direction point of view, we really enjoyed sort of crafting and, and digging into. Um, took those two to clients with sort of divergent copy lines, um, speaking to the two different themes or two different ideas. And um, lo and behold, the client decided to kind of combine the two <laughs> ideas. So yeah, we, we took the two ideas to them and then they decided to combine the two things. And then Julian and I actually um, sequestered uh, one of our other colleagues' garages and we took uh, stupid amounts of cigarette butts and smoking paraphernalia to the garage. Um, we set up a sort of a studio over there and we built probably, I don't know, what is it, like two meter by two meter yeah. massive right. skull that we built out of cigarette paraphernalia. Yeah. Um, one of our other colleagues, Fanyan, then came in and shot it for us and that ended up being the, the key visual that we used for, for the campaign. Um, we sort of, I don't know, do you want to chat about how we split it in half and, and Photoshopped the other side of it? Well, we there was discussion whether we should just do it digitally because, you know, we could have shot each individual like cigarettes and, and cigarette pack and because we had to represent all different types of tobacco. So it wasn't just cigarettes. It was, you know, hookers. It was rollies. It was um, rolling tobacco. Um, and I was saying to Vesma, maybe we should, just to keep things clean and like controllable, maybe we should just do it all in Photoshop, just shoot the, the packs individually. And I think rightfully so, he, he, we decided to, to do it all uh, in like analog styles in real time. So we shot it, we got Fanyan to shoot it, and that's when we brought it into Photoshop. Um, we, we had to take out all the branding yeah. because you can't name and shame Unfortunately, I think that's one thing that, that we need to start looking at. Um, but it just opens up a huge legal issue for the WHO if, you know, you show one brand. Because obviously the tobacco companies, they, they have some serious legal clout. So that's not, that wasn't the point to name and shame. It was just more to show the, the impact. But anyway, so we had, to, we had to take out all the branding, out of all the, all the products that we used. And then we, we invested in probably one of the best uh, designers I've seen, which is our guy Lo, to halve that skull and have the rest of the skull being made out of a, a deforested uh, jungle scene. Um, and that was some serious Photoshop work. And it, it for me, just working here at Rooftop, that was, and just in my my career, it was one of the best key visuals I've seen because it, it 
told me exactly what I needed to know mm-hmm. without having to see any lines of copy. Like and, and it was striking. So um, yeah, I think I think we we did a, a good job on on pulling that one off. It was a it was a good team effort yeah. that one. I was just about to say we're probably talking a little bit out of context now, but the the campaign line we went with at the end was tobacco poisoning our planet. So the key visual really really spoke quite well to to this notion of um, the whole industry poisoning the planet. Mm. It is actually such a striking visual. When I saw it for the first time, I also just grabbed your attention. And the case study video mentions that it really, that the campaign shows harrowing um, scenes of tobacco impacting our planet. And that's what this key visual, this key visual does. Mm. Um, but what about this concept and the combining of these concepts? What was it about these specific concepts that made the client choose it, that they gravitated towards choosing this to convey their message? Um, from the outset in their brief, they wanted to sort of bring across this idea of disgust and and a little bit of um, elicit some anger from from the viewers. And I think what we what we did with like showing the impact on animals and the impact of um, the impact on the environment, you know, we threw in quite a lot of stats and it's it's hardcore stats. It's like, oh god, I can't remember exactly, but it's like six hundred trees get felled for every pack of cigarettes or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It's quite gnarly, um, and I think. Those facts combined with quite hard-hitting images where, you know, like animals turn to ash and stuff like that really spoke to the client and, and elicits, elicited, I think, a sense of anger within them. And I think, you know, if they could feel it, the understanding was that the consumer out there would also feel it. They, they were actually the ones who wanted us to dial it up. I remember um, in, in one of the client reviews, the the WHO was like, okay, we need to show more more stuff. You know, we need to show wow. more impacts of, of tobacco. Mm. Make it disgusting. Make it disgusting. So we we, we actually, we sat, sat around after that meeting and we went overboard and then we got pulled back in again. And so we, 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 we hit the sweet spot, you know. So sometimes it's hard to know where the client wants us to go. And when we go there, they realize it may be a bit too far out, but... I think we hit the sweet spot, and, and like Vessel was saying, you know, the the images that we used um, also did a lot of the damage in the communication for us. So, like, it depends on what channel that you're on as well. You know, if you're browsing Instagram, it's primarily image driven. So, we we did take that into account where people are going to be viewing these these social media assets and where we should be putting the stats in and where we should be leading with the images. And um, yeah, I think I think we found a really cool sweet spot with amount of copy per image and then um, uh, yeah I mean the results kind of speak for themselves that we've got some some really good metrics on on us on like, especially the social side of things tell me how was it working with the client because it, it sounds like there was an incredible amount of collaboration actually and you obviously have to deliver what they are requesting you to but at the same time they're giving you feedback and in the end that creates what you have out there today how was this experience was there a lot of collaboration was it more of a case of them trusting you with the creative um yeah tell me about that this is quite a long-standing relationship we have with the client um like julian mentioned a little bit earlier i think this is the third year that we've done world no tobacco day for them and i think there may have been a couple of other campaigns before that um, touching on other subjects so the client understands the way we work, and I think for the most part we understand how how she works. Um, so when it comes to ideation and and so on, she really does give us free reign. Um, and then obviously, you know, there are technicalities that they would know, and we wouldn't necessarily bar you know all research and so on. It's a field that they work in every single day, and obviously we don't. So it's quite nice to have a, a an open partner in in the client, you know, that you can go to and say like, hey please help us out with this. We're not 100% sure about this messaging. 
uh, what would you do in this instance? And, and it becomes a little bit of a collaborative process. Yeah, they, they, they know us and we know them. Um, and we know where to push and where not to push. So it, it definitely, it's definitely for the betterment of the final product. Um, but even our direct client um, has to have more answers to other people. So even she had to get the work vetoed by people above her. And there are different agendas um, with uh, the different layers of the WHO. So like I was saying earlier, um, she was quite happy with where we were at. And in one of the final presentations, we were told to dial up the the, the kind of anger that uh, we want to elicit from these posts by showing serious like environmental damage and 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 that wasn't what was asked of straight away so so you kind of have to be a little bit fluid um and be prepared to to move um you know with the client because she's also not the only one who has the say and uh, after two years of working with with um with jamie from from who we understood that and she she didn't have to communicate that to us. We, we knew it was going to come. So it was all in all, it's, it's, it's mm. a good good team to work with. It's amazing to hear how you could collaborate with your client, with the WHO. And I, I mean, it's really been an incredibly impactful campaign, but you had to create an integrated campaign. What did that look like? How did you approach that? Especially because, I mean, you have this key visual that is critical, is core to, to how the campaign worked and the rollout of it. Uh, what did that look like for you? Here's a bit of industry jargon. Um, I think when when Julian and I try and come up with ideas, we we really do try and make them um, media or channel agnostic. You know, it needs to be an idea that works across channels. It can't it can't be a big video idea and then there's absolutely nothing you can do on other channels. So. In this instance, we obviously knew that, you know, we had to go across the board, there had to be a video, there had to be some social media, there had to be some print collateral. So the idea had to work across the board on, and, on all and, of those things. And influencers, big influencer yeah, yeah, yeah. aspect to this campaign. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason why something works as an integrated campaign is just purely because of your reach. Um, you know, if, if you have a nice big idea that can work across all channels, it just amplifies your message and, and gets it out to, in this instance, um, what, 2.3 billion people. Um, so, yeah. I mean, as a, as a layman, I mean, just if, you ha- if, if you're selling your car, you know, and you're just going to put it on Gumtree and you get no hits on Gumtree, you... You know, what, what are you going to do about that? You're going to go and put it on Facebook Marketplace. You're going to go and print flyers. You're going to go go to the newspaper. You know, you're going to get people to tell other people. Essentially, that's what a campaign is. It's not, it's not this high mathematical equation that you have to do. It's just getting your message out there on as many channels as possible, but having a, a, a holistic message that always talks back to the same thing that you ideated from the beginning. Because if each channel is saying a different message, which you can do, it just becomes diluted and people don't really know what you're talking about because they're going to say, well, no, Tobacco Day is about this, but then Instagram is saying this. So we had to make sure that it's all always tied back to the environment and that uh, as far as possible, our look and feel and our tone of voice was the same across all the channels. And then you, you use a lot of um, what, what is critical in in a lot of the campaigns that we run in, in any campaign, I suppose, is um, your your budget that you put behind your, because what happens- Your paid in, advertising. Yeah, your paid advertising, because there's a difference, I'm it's gonna I'm gonna get into it a little bit quickly, but um, there's a thing called organic posting, which is what most people do with their social media feeds. They just post a post on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is. 
and then all your followers see it, but no one else beyond your followers see it unless a follower likes it in Twitter and then it appears in someone else's feed. I even not sure about that. But um, if you put money behind it, uh, your post will be pushed into other people's feeds. So a lot of the reach that we get is dependent on the budget that we have to push um, the, the ads and the social media content. But this is the trick. You can have... You can have these metrics coming out of your ears like, oh, we reached like 20 million people. But the proof of the pudding, proof in the pudding is your engagement. If mm, if people yeah. engage with your material. So if you have comments, likes, even dislikes, you know. Shares. That, shares. That's where you know you're being effective because that's when people are actually dealing with your content and they're forwarding it on or they're commenting with it. That's, that's the gold. So this campaign reached potentially like 2.6 billion people and engagement was about 2.3 million. It comes down to the, the good content. You know, I think like Julian was saying, anybody can pay for, for reach, but um, good content elicits reactions from people. Um, you know, when you create something that they can quite literally feel on their side, then then they'll stand a good chance of reacting and, and either sharing or liking or commenting on, on a post or a piece of um, collateral you put out. Yeah, so it's it's the engagement that that's what we're looking for. It's quite interesting though, because I think you had influencers involved, and there were some PR stunts. Mm. There were a lot of other um, media products with this video. Um, obviously, as you said, print, and then the social media digital assets. But the engagement was very varied, and obviously, two point three million engagements. That is wild, especially for this. It's so important. What did that look like? What did that engagement do? Chat to me about that. I'd really love to know. That's a. It's a difficult thing to see the tangible results of of campaigns, and that, that's to make real change. Essentially, on on this scale, you have to talk to policymakers and and governments, um, and obviously, like the corporates. But but the real change doesn't. It unfortunately, doesn't happen from the guy on the street. The, it, it's actually a difficult one because it has to bubble from the guy on the street. But th- but that's exactly what engagement does, though. It's, it shows politicians and policymakers that there's a groundswell sure. of support yeah. on mm. you know in in the layman okay. everyday kind of person. Yeah. And and big corporates or big NGOs in our case can take that support and you know show it to policymakers and and demonstrate the fact that people want this change or people want to go down this route. Yeah, that's a, a, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, so it's actually what you do with the results of yeah. the campaign that yeah. that make it effective. You know, I mean, other than awareness, I mean, awareness is actually a good thing. You know, some people might have just been minding their own business, not realizing that takes around six or six hundred trees. What what was that stat? It was ridiculous. Six eh? hundred trees per packet of cigarettes, or something along those lines. Yes, yeah, so there's a horrible stat about how many trees go into making up a, a, a box of smokes. I, I can't remember what it was, but but it was like it was quite shocking. And okay, cool. And then also about how many, how much plastic is in all the fish at the moment, and a lot of that plastic is um, well, most of it is cigarette butts. You know, mm. people don't know that. And then and then you know, if you had a child who watched this documentary or, or video that we made, and the dad smokes, I mean, you would hope that would put the child just, hey, Dad, you know, seriously, look what you're doing. Stop um, it. Yeah, so so that that's where the change is. But mm. I, we don't see that happening. You know, I think the change is incremental. 
I know that this campaign was also translated into 21 languages. So it wasn't just English. It was really a global campaign um, with an incredible reach, as we know. But it was also featured in major news outlets. And I think from seeing that, it definitely did carry an impact beyond just the on-the-ground influence with the people in, engaging with it on social media mm. or with the PR stunts. And I, I really think that this contributes, because it went through um, news as well, it, con- it can and will contribute to policy changes. So it's, it's really crazy to see that and to hear a bit about what went into that. Yeah, I think, I think any this campaign is definitely better than not having the campaign. Let's put that on the table for sure. And I think we'll only see the results of it, you know, down years down the line. But with regard to the, the languages, um, what we found very interesting is that the, the types of tobacco used around the world actually varies. So in India, they use this sticky kind of tobacco. It's like a chewing tobacco. So we had to create some bespoke assets just for India, um, concentrating on what they use um, you know, different countries you have different smoking habits. I mean, like uh, Turkey, they use a lot of hookah pipes. So, you know, we had to make sure that we covered that whole range of, of tobacco smoking. And even the one thing that's coming up now uh, wasn't so much... It, we actually did feature it last uh, mm, World No we Tobacco did, yeah. Day, but it was those... Um, vapes. The vapes, mm. yeah. Like there's there's a big push to uh, uncover the, the damage that the vapes can do. And I know the jury's still out and the science is always changing with this, but that's definitely something that we're, we're told to cover is, is make sure that we mention and we show um, vapes and the, the trouble they cause both to, to the human and also to the environment. This key visual, as we've now confirmed, is really impactful. It's stunning in, in how striking it is. Um, what inspired it and also what inspired the approach that you used? I know there was like a lot of red tape and it was kind of a grungy looking feel. Mm. What inspired this? What made you go in this avenue? I think it was actually a copy line that possibly inspired the the key visual really. Um, while we were doing the research, we just like obviously noticed the absolute incredible scale of destruction that that's um, sort of, you know, at the hands of the tobacco industry. And... There was this image in in our heads of this almost insignificant little cigarette butt kind of thing, but it it actually becomes a weapon of mass destruction um, if wow. you look at it holistically. So, so the key visual actually came from this notion of cigarette paraphernalia and cigarette products being a weapon of mass destruction. Now, the client didn't really like this notion of calling the um, tobacco industry a mass, uh, a weapon of mass destruction, so we couldn't couldn't go down that route. But that, that's because the, we, our timing was pretty bad because we had that... Uh, Ukraine business. Yeah, yeah, so they, they were quite sensitive about that. Mm. Yeah, which was unfortunate because it was quite a cool line. Um, but yeah, that, that's what kicked off the, the, the notion of stylizing um, tobacco products to form a skull and crossbones. Obviously, you know, that's a universal sign for death and destruction mm. and, and poison and so on. So it worked quite well with the subsequent campaign line, um, Poisoning Our Planet. Um yeah, and then the the second part of it, you know, the sort of nature side of it is just quite literally the showing the impact of the the products on on the environment. So the two the two go hand in hand. But uh, I must I must give Fess um, his credit that that this was his his baby. Um, he, the first campaign idea, the weapons of mass destruction idea, the ones that they asked us to merge. We had two campaigns. We had most of our artwork was going to be. Um, elements or, or shapes made up uh, from smoking paraphernalia. So we had 
cigarettes made up into an axe, you know, and talked about the deforestation. We had the cigarettes and all the smoking paraphernalia made up into a coffin shape. Um, and um, we'd talk about the death that it causes. And, mm-hmm. and um, visually it was striking, like it was really good. And when they asked us to merge it, um, it wasn't a train smash visually for us because um, we still went with that kind of um, analog look and feel. Um, yeah, the we, core of the idea was still yeah, there. Yeah, we just had to, you know, it's quite easy just to come up with a quick copy line. Huh? Hey, Vez. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> so I we just had to change easy. the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> the campaign name changed. We managed to hang on to the, onto the, the visual look and feel, even though it wasn't sustainable across... All the, all the kind of channels that we had to promote across. So we had like, I don't know, 15, 20 social media cards. So we couldn't actually make elements out of cigarettes for each one of those pieces of content. So it ended up just being the, the, the KV. Um, but again, to, to Vess's credit, he, he was the guy who said, no, we must shoot this. Um, we shouldn't do it, do it digitally. We should make it in real time um, with real packs of cigarettes and, and then we shot it, and then it went into the studio. So no, it uh, it really came out came out well. And and the red tape was was just an added bonus. I think that just added the the final touch to the to the, like the warning. I'm actually so impacted by this campaign as well because I mean I worked on yeah, video you stopped smoking. We I saw you smoke. working on that stuff, and I actually used some of your assets. And I remember asking someone to send stuff to, to me, and when I first opened it, I was like, wow. I just looked at all these um, different assets and I mean how like on Instagram stories and how it could be rolled out to TikTok and I, I really trust that people were impacted. I know people were, were I mean, we just have to look at those numbers. It's wild. Um, but I, I think you probably had some crazy learnings from this whole um, project. What would what did you learn and what do you think are you going to be considering going forward? Julian learned that you should never listen to the copywriter when he says, let's shoot something. No, that's actually what I did learn. That's, I must say, that's a takeaway. It's just, all right, don't, because I, yeah, I try to, I'm a bit of a, like, I like to hack things. And uh, this time I was told to slow down a bit and just do it properly. And, and it paid off, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. but, jo- but jokes aside, I think, um, I think what we probably both learned is that, you know, sometimes things doesn't necessarily go the way you envisage it's going, mm. um, but you can quickly make a plan and still come through with the essence of what you are trying to mm. communicate. Um, and then also, and I think this is the same for Julian as well, um, like I said right in the beginning, um, for us it's super important to have fun. You know, if we don't have fun while we're doing something, you can really tell by the work that mm. we kind of just wanted to get it out of the studio. That's good. Um, but if we enjoyed what we're doing, the end the end shows. But uh, just quickly also, Laura, you're talking about you're also working on a campaign. We wouldn't even talk about the, the Quitter Diaries. Oh, I mean, yeah. That that was a that was a big aspect. That That's kind of like a the engine room of, because of, we had that running for... Um, the previous World No Tobacco mm. Day. So that, that keeps awareness. Process. It's yeah. still in process, actually, and we're yeah. looking at how we can um, roll that out. It's we, it's kind of on hold a little bit. I, mean, I don't know if we'll put this into the actual thing. But <laughs> but that, that storytelling, though, mm. eh? like that's, I think, where the human element comes mm. in, where people on the ground who are battling to quit. Uh, so don't underestimate the power mm. of, of that piece of work mm. with the results of, of this as well. Eh? Yeah. And I'm putting this out there because people need to know, like if you have been tasked with concepting something and two days go by and you've got nothing to show, you honestly feel like a fraud. 
like it's the worst feeling because it's not like when you when you're a designer because I mean I can do some design work and vests or got some other stuff on the side as well. He he knows what it's like to produce tangible goods, but when you're producing ideas, and then like the boss comes to you and says, "Okay, where are we at?" and you're like, "Well, I've got nothing." And then but that only ever happens to you. It does, and it, it usually I usually I usually come right when it's like. <laughs> 30, 30 minutes before I have to show something, I'm like, oh, okay. And so, so maybe it's just the pressure that I need. But it's not easy if it's, if it's not happening. And, uh, and I think with a lot of these campaigns, because you have to nail so many, so many elements and tie it all in with one nice big bow, it's flipping difficult. Um, and also you have to be very careful of your languaging. Like you can't say certain things because it's going to offend certain people in different countries. Like, actually, one of the one of the things we wanted to show for a KV for last year's. So I'm just getting off the point here, but still kind of on the point. Is someone stomping on a cigarette? And the KV we shot it just as a as a um, test, and it looks so powerful. And we presented to clients, and clients was like, in Asia, they're not going to dig this because they don't like seeing people's feet. I'm like, damn, that's not something that I knew. Mm. So, so that, it's it's difficult to work on these campaigns. It's not easy. Language, it's, you know, if you if you translate something into so many different languages, it also it, it almost strips away from the the possibility of creativity, um, where you need to strip down the mm. language mm. to the absolute bare necessities to make translation possible. You know, you can't be using metaphors. You can't be using sort of similes and 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 funny little things. I think it's a very good point, though. Um, I'm learning that as well in the videos that we do. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough lesson. Mm. Anyway, I think I'm really inspired hearing about the whole journey leading up to where the project landed in the end with its incredible reach and the engagements. Um, but I know that it started with two guys coming up with an idea and it was a process and quite a journey. But thank you for sharing all of this with me, um, with us. And I really hope you guys continue to have fun with the work you do because it it definitely produces incredible fruit. So yeah, all the best. And thanks for being here. Shot, Laura. Like, yeah. a, like a chatting chain, Laura. Thanks, Laura.